listening to the PCAST presented by CDE Lightband. Each week we take you around Austin B, the athletics department, and occasionally the OVC, thanks to our good friends at CDE. We didn't always have a good reason why in the past, but fulfilling a sponsorship commitment is an excellent starting point for a podcast. I am Colby Wilson. He is Casey Krieger. Welcome to the nation's top-ranked Austin P podcast and the only one that has the word persiflage in its script. Casey, how are you now? Good, and you? Oh, not so bad. Casey, it is hot for this time of year. It's too hot. Hot AF, I believe, as the children say. That is what the kids say these days. Hmm, I go to a wedding this weekend. Wow. Lots of, lots of fun. Uh, you have to go to Johnson City. One of us is winning. Ain't hey, you. <laughs> I live in Johnson City, sort of. I said what I said. I said what I said, and I, I don't regret it. I didn't. You're going to Alabama, so I don't know. To if that's a wedding. Better. Yeah, but you're still in Alabama, so is that better? I can leave any time. I, I mean, I can't really. I got to be there Saturday, regardless, and Friday afternoon. <sighs> any time spent in Alabama is a loss. It really is. You know, every year when we go for golf, like I love to go for the golf because the concept that I'm working by sitting in a golf cart pointing a camera at a teenager and watching them hit a golf ball is pretty hysterical but also You're Alabama. Alabama yeah yeah all right I wonder how long I could let that silence last before it became really uncomfortable why are we trying to do that because this is the world's worst podcast probably and <laughs> it's not the best one <laughs> it's certainly it's the best Austin P one and that's, that's all, the, that's that's all, all that matters. matters. That's, that's all, that, all matters. that we're shooting for. You <sighs> hear that, Sean? We got you beat. I mean, just for now. Maybe not much longer. Sean's um, has it provides like a public service of sorts. <laughs> what does this provide? <laughs> like we talk about issues. I'm talking about this one. Oh yeah. Um, oh, about a forty minute waste of everybody's time. Hey, <laughs> work hard on this. Anyway, football. Last week, the governors went down to Macon, Georgia, and uh, beat the pants off the bear, or would have beat the pants off the bears if bears wore pants. The Cordell Jackson show was yeah, it just happened to break out. Huh? Yeah, it just sort of, you know, we we came ready for a football game, and all of a sudden there's Cordell Jackson just stealing the spotlight. Uh, two pick sixes, the first player in school history with two in the same game, thirty third in FCS history, and he's uh, not national player of the week. He's OVC player of the week. He's and an, an OVC Tennessee player, player of the week. is An OVC player is the national player of the week, but it's not the OVC player of the week. You guys do the math on that one. It's yeah. not correct. I, anybody who wants to come in here and explain, well, not even that, the basics of, the basic tenets of this, and now I know podcasting is an audio medium, but I want everybody to understand that the man who got national player of the week, and this is not to disparage him, he it's not his fault that the guy selecting National Player of the Week made a mistake. Not his fault. But he had one pick six, and Cordell had two. If you pass second grade math, you know that two, two greater is than greater one. than one. You need another one to get to two. And Cordell had two. Two. Cordell scored 12 points. The other guy scored six. Six. There's more math to prove Cordell should have been National Player of the Week. But we're not bitter. Not at all. Not a bit. Mercer struck first, but the Guff struck harder. And more than any team in recent Austin be memory, these guys seem to relish and seek out contact, which for contact sport like football, obviously good, but 
also good for the governor's uh, prospects for the year that they seem to actually enjoy um, hitting un- people, unleashing the fury. Kittel Williams rushed for a couple of scores. Through three games now, opponents are averaging 1.4 yards per carry, which is um, what's less uh, than, you know, I don't know what average height means to everyone, but call it somewhere between 5'10 and 6 feet tall, which that a guy could run to the line of scrimmage, an average-sized guy, fall down and forward and... Can't do that on the Govs D-line. Yeah, can't do that on the Govs D-line. John Wesley Whiteside was a uh, space-eating monster. who gobbled up 3.0 tackles for loss against the Bears. And uh, Mercer, supposed to be pretty good, but were definitely trounced by the Governors. Confirmed not as good as the Governors. Confirmed. And soccer last weekend, they had a big senior day win. They shut out Evansville 2 nothing and got their first W of the season. Claire LaRose and Renee Simon found the back of the net. And Mary Parker Powell pitched the shutout as the Governors got in the win column. And then, even better news, Renee Simon and Mary Parker Powell both took home OVC Weekly Honors. Renee won Defensive Player of the Week. She anchored a defense that gave up only three shots on goal. And one of them was like a half-court Hail Mary shot as time expired. So they gave up two shots on goal. And she even scored a goal in the 56th minute. Mary Parker posted her first shutout of the season and the 10th of her career. She was the only OVC keeper to pitch a shutout this weekend, and that's why she was the goalkeeper of the week. You're mixing, uh, you're mixing sports there. She kept a clean sheet. Pitchers pitch shutouts. Uh, she she threw a shutout too. She threw. I mean, I guess you can throw the soccer ball, but that's you don't keep track of that for. Point being, nobody put a ball past Mary Parker this weekend. Okay. On the links, the women's golf team faced off against a host of OVC schools at the Greenbrier Invitational and placed third overall ahead of all but Belmont among the league contingent. Megan Stamps with an outstanding third-place finish, while Taylor Dedman and Shelby Darnell tied for sixth. Darnell's final round 74 was her best round since last fall, and Dedman led the entire field with a 4.83 stroke average on par five holes. Volleyball was at the Mizzou Invitational last weekend, and it was just another weekend with another Gov grabbing all tournament honors. Chloe Stitt had 55 kills over the weekend, including a 20-kill performance against Northern Iowa. But other than that, it was another tough week for the Govs against high-caliber competition for a team still finding its footing after losing a trio of all OVC players from last season. Cross country, the men posted a fifth-place finish at the John Flamer Invitational. Thomas Porter led the way, finishing fifth while Nash Young put together a top 25 performance of his own. Immaculate Kipplegat led the way on the women's side with a 14th place individual showing. Good weekend for the Govs as they got on the OVC championship course for the, fir- for the first time, which will serve them well when time comes for the conference meet. But we will wrap up that look back at what happened a week ago and bring in Jeremiah Oatesfall of the football team. You're probably familiar with him. Um, yeah. Pretty, you, you may have heard of him. You've, he, yeah, you've, you've probably He's heard of him. He's done a couple things. Th- thing or two has been accomplished by Mr. Oates all his time. We will talk to him about all that and more right after this. So let's raise a glass. Cheerleaders and quarterbacks. Cowboys and country girls all around this small town world. To the same old pickup lines. We've tried a million times. All the bad and good. Gets to the ones that you ain't met yet. In every town, in every place, there's a boy who's trying. 
Heading into the season, you knew him as QB1, and yet, in a sport as chaotic as football, injury has a way of finding everyone at a certain point. Such was the unfortunate situation that befell Jeremiah Oatesfall, who went down in just the second game of the season, leaving his status for 2019 in something of a, uh, an unknown. Setbacks are set up for a comeback, though, and whenever he hits the field again, that's what we'll see from Jeremiah. But he's not here to talk about that. He's here to talk about whatever insane trivialities I've written on this piece of paper. Jeremiah, how are you today? I'm great. Good. So, right off the bat, I asked the wide Austin P question a lot, but I, did, I very rarely get to ask it of anyone who had as many options coming out of high school as you did. So, I'm very curious to hear why it was that you decided the P was the place for you. Uh, you know, to be honest, I didn't ever imagine myself going to Austin P. Uh, as every high school, you know, athlete, you want to go play in front of hundreds of thousands. You want to go, you know, to Division One programs that – uh, you know, FBS wise and, you know, g- teams that, you know, compete for a national championship every year, you know, the Clemsons, the Alabamas, the uh, Ohio States, teams like that. But, you know, at some point, you know, when you get to the end of your recruiting road in high school, um, reality kind of has to set in. And uh, for me, uh, like you said, I had a lot of options coming out of high school, um, you know, specifically at the FCS level, the, the level that Austin P plays at football wise. Um, and then a couple uh, FBS, you know, the military academies, um, Yale, surprisingly, you know, I don't know how that, but, you know, I guess I'm a little bit smart. I mean, that's a that's a good education you turned yeah. down regardless <laughs> of the football opportunities. Yeah, uh, but, you know, I had a couple, you know, my, my top three coming out of high school, um, you know, I really, I enjoyed my visit to Sanford, um, uh, Navy and Air Force, and Chatt- the uh, University of Tennessee Chattanooga, um, they all three recruited me really hard, and I really liked where their program was going. And um, basically one afternoon I was doing a workout for the University of Memphis football, um, and Coach Healy and Coach Satterfield um, basically called me and said, hey, you just come up here. And um, so one of the things I really didn't want to do, because Austin P was recruiting me harder, if not harder than anybody else. So I just wanted to give him a chance just so – if I decided in my head when I decided I was going somewhere else, I could at least show them that, you know, at least I gave interest. Um, so me and my dad usually went on every recruiting trip because, you know, me and him um, love talk football. Uh, he played football in college as well, um, but he was unavailable. So I took my mom up there, um, and this was her first really recruiting trip with me. Um, and so we went up there just to give him a chance. And Coach Healy and his staff basically laid out the red carpet for me and basically laid out a vision. And it was something at that point where, you know, I felt like this was for sure the place for me, even though, you know, looking at it now, the the recruiting um, tools that they have with the facilities, with, you know, our previous uh, seasons, um, you know, it's just wild to think that they sold – um, to a bunch of teenagers and brought in the number one recruiting class with without a weight room there, without winning season and who knows how long. Without wins, period. Not even a winning yeah. season. I mean, without a win in, I think it was like four years straight without even a win. Um, I mean, the team room wasn't even fully done. Like, um, which just shows you, you know, like their, their job of recruiting us. And I just, I felt like we could do something special here. And I, and I, I felt the, uh, the genuine – um, nature of, of their coaching staff and then the, the Clarksville fans in the community, you could tell they, they really bought into Austin P football and they really wanted to see it succeed. And so um, I guess that's, you know, what really brought me here was 
the coach's recruiting and the coach's belief in a, a teenager to maybe help turn a program around. And so, you know, I was bought in from, and I went on about four or five other recruiting visits here and brought my family, my girlfriend, which is now my fiance there. But um, so yeah, it was a wild recruiting process and I had to say no to a lot of good programs. Um, but, you know, I believe that I'm for sure at the right place now. How difficult is it to be a highly touted recruit coming in as a freshman? You've never played a college snap before at that point, and yet in some corners you're being hailed as a kind of a savior. I mean, it's definitely, you know, I wouldn't say it's pressure, but you can definitely feel it. Um, you know, coming in, a lot of people wanted a lot of big things out of you. Um, but, you know, my whole life, going to a school that has a lot of state championships and a top high school program in Tennessee, um, you kind of learn how to handle those situations. And, you know, for me, I knew it was these coaches are going to bring in guys and these coaches are going to set a culture that that is meant to be successful. So, you know, I, you don't have to be Superman, um, even though sometimes I might not show that I try to do a little bit too much. And, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But, um, you know, I'm just I'm glad that these coaches and you know the coaches now they put a lot of trust in me um hoping that I make the right decisions and you know hoping that the guys around me can make plays and you know my job is just to facilitate it make sure everybody's in the right uh formation the right position uh, the right play um so it's definitely pressure but I wouldn't say it's anything anything that I, I can't handle you mentioned it a little bit just then college football by its very nature is always in a state of flux. Coaching's, coaching staffs coming and going, coaches coming and going. Midway through your career, boom, total overhaul of the staff, brand new head coach. How do you adapt to that on the fly? I think, um, you know, in my high school career, I think that's what helped me a lot because, again, after I had won a state championship as a junior, um, my quarterback's coach, who I was really close with, who helped me mold and, and grow into um, and basically start my quarterback career in high school, left and took another job in Texas um, uh, to move closer to his family. And so I was hit kind of with a with a, a hit right there. Um, so this time going around, it was kind of uh, it wasn't as new to me as it was the first time with a coaching change. And so I knew kind of how to handle it. I knew that when coaching changes happen, you know, some, most of the time the quarterback of the team is usually the bridge between the new coaching staff and the players. And I knew um, if I could just tell these new guys that, hey, these coaches are going to uh, come in and uh, they want what's best for us, they're it, just you know trust what they're going to do. I know it's going to be do, new. I know that they're going to bring a new kind of culture um, to this program. But if we just trust them, then uh, I know we can be really successful. And I think the guys bought in extremely well. And as you can tell, um, I think it's – been a pretty strong start to the season and and, and everyone's buying in and, and these coaches are making sure that everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing so I think the transition was about as smooth as it could have been you know from you know the bond that we had with coach Healy and his staff and you know the way he that his energy was around this program um, and I think coach Hud's doing the exact same thing and and put his own little spin on it imagine for a second that you're not you well okay that's probably not the best interview tactic to take let me try I'm that fly, again i'm a fly on the wall and i'm just well i was thinking more like if you're not able to for whatever reason check your ego and be that bridge and be that gap how much more difficult is that for a new staff and a new head coach coming in if they can't get the the starting quarterback 
on board? I think it's uh, it's kind of one of those things where it can go one of two directions. You can either it can be a really smooth transition or it can be a really rough one. Um, and I think, you know, I kind of knew that coming in um, that if this is a, you know, I got two years left. At that time, I had two years left. Um, you know, how do I want to make the most of these last two years? Do I want to, you know, have my ego to and that I'm like the guy I was the the dude here before y'all were here I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to do my thing I'm gonna make sure these other guys know that this is this is our team like y'all are coming in late or the other the side of it is you know I can say you know what these guys know what they're doing Gerald brought coach Hud in and and I trust his wisdom and uh we just got to get everybody bought in um because you know, sometimes the most talented teams always aren't the most successful. It's the teams that, you know, play well together, that can work together, they're efficient together. Um, so I think it was, a, you know, like one, like I said earlier, it's like an opportunity where it can go one of two directions. It can be really good and smooth or it can be really bad and rocky. So, Getting off the football field for basically the rest of the time here. Um, congrats on the engagement. That's that's a huge step, obviously, and one that not everybody in your shoes as a Division One athlete with a couple of years to play mm-hmm. would or even could make. How did you know that you were ready to, to pull the trigger there? Well, um, I mean, honestly, I, I feel like I could have pulled the trigger any time in college, but I kind of – I wasn't – um, as ready then as I am now, you know, having a couple years under your belt in college and kind of knowing how college flows works. Um, but, I mean, really, I've been with uh, my fiance who actually plays soccer here now um, since we were in sixth grade. So, I mean, it's been 10 years going. And, I mean, at this point, I'm 21 years old. She's 20, about to be 21. Um, I kind of knew that, you know, I've been here with her for 10 years. I mean, there's not – I think I know kind of who I want to be with for the rest of my life. So, at that point, you know, I kind of did everything you got to do to get it set up, prepared, and, you know, just ask her. And luckily she said yes. I mean, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I just – you know, I've, I've, it's definitely not – it's definitely rare, I guess, for – especially in college. But, you know, you see guys do it. I mean, I know there's a guy on our team that's married. So, um I mean, I feel like I was mature enough at this time that, you know, I could make the decision and know that, you know, this is the right decision for me at this time, the right decision for us. And I know she's been ready since we were in high school. So, <laughs> uh, uh, do y'all have any any of the details ironed out, or are you just kind of leaving that to her? Uh, yeah, I'm right now. You know, I, I feel like I've done my job up to the point. I'm kind of like the coach. And you she's asked. The, yeah, yeah, I'm the coach, and she's the player. I got the game plan ready, you know, and I and I gave it to her. Now it's her job to. Um, you know, I'm going to definitely be involved in it, but, you know, this is – I feel like she's really been waiting for this, and so I'm going to let her and my mom and her mom do a lot of the planning. But I was, I think 2021 sometime is is what I've been hearing through the grapevine. So You've been hearing through the grapevine <laughs> yeah. about your wedding. Yeah. Now, yeah, you're already prepared for marriage. Yeah. Uh, so how do you go about making magic cool? Uh. I mean, I, I think that's another one of those things where, you know, a lot of people know what it is, but not a lot of people know how to do it. And so having kind of a unique skill is always something that can be an icebreaker. It can, you know, w- waste time if you need to do something. And it's just something really cool. Um, I think it's fun to do, to see the reaction. I think that's my favorite part, just to see the reactions out of people. Um, but, you know, 
I think it's something that shows kind of my characteristics off the field. You know, I'm not just a football player. You know, I can do some fun things off the field as well. So, uh, I mean, I started doing it when I was in high school and just continued to do it here and then kind of blew up, you know, my freshman year. And so I've just kind of been carrying it along ever since. Is there anything you're bad at? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things I'm bad at. I, I mean, like. quarterback, scholar, magician, future husband. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking of, you know, ticking off as we go down the list here. It doesn't seem like there's yeah. much. You know, my number one sport is actually beach volleyball, if anybody asks. You know, football is probably my second, then basketball is my third. Beach volleyball is my number one sport. If I, if, I did, if I could come back again, I would do beach volleyball. So that's probably an unknown fact. It's my funnest. I, I can I play all day. My mom and dad were beach volleyball players. We got a volleyball net at the house. That's my – but, you know, sadly we don't have a men's volleyball team here, beach volleyball at least. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is that a – is men's beach volleyball a Division One sport? It is on the West Coast. Gotcha. Well, you know, may, maybe you can take your fifth year, you know, after football, <laughs> after you've done your your four years of football, take your fifth year out at UCLA or something. Yeah, do some beach volleyball. Describe your uh, involvement with what your, the the charity your mom runs, mm. or not even the charity, but just the missions. The organization. And, yeah, yeah, the organization. Um, so it's called 147 Team. It's a uh, organization, a nonprofit organization that, um, you know, helps provide – school needs, hygiene, food, just any of your basic needs to kids and communities around the United States. Um, she, she has leaders in close to almost each state in the in the U.S. Um, but, I mean, it's just a, you know, I've been, me and her and my family and a couple of my friends have been doing mission work since we were in fifth grade. And so each summer we have the opportunity to go on a trip. Um, it's been to Uganda four or five times, Honduras three times. And then this recent, this past year, um, I was I was fortunate enough to take me, um, Kayla Florence, Elijah Brown, Cole Phillips, Kyle Anderton, Ahmad Tanner, um, Trey Pruitt, and um, we all went to Gary, West Virginia, um, which is like it, it's the community in Gary is one of the, if not the poorest income wise uh, community in the United States. Um, they're along the Appalachian Mountains and we just got to serve them and it was an unbelievable opportunity. Um, and that was kind of my, my vision coming here um, with this organization and with my, my mission work was to try to get some of my guys involved and know show them a different perspective you know and how blessed we are and the previous summer I was able to take those same guys um, to Uganda and so we went for, to Africa one summer and then last summer we went to Gary West Virginia so um, it's just been an awesome experience and an awesome um, you know thing to be able to uh, show what I kind of love to do outside of football um, with some of my teammates. When you go to Africa I feel like there is the expectation that you're going to hit poverty because you're I mean that's part of it you're not it's not a vacation you're mm -hmm. going to work when you are faced with that kind of poverty in your country in the United States mere hours from where you live in relative comfort how much different is that perspective uh, I mean I think it even gives you a little bit more perspective that um, you know a lot of people 
seek to go to other countries and help and they seek and they want to go and push money in other countries which is an unbelievable thing don't don't get me wrong that's um, i'm not trying to move the message anywhere but basically you know a lot of people forget that we get you have people you know i know from my house in brentwood that there's people 15 minutes away from me um that live in communities that couldn't afford to to you know eat at mcdonald's for a meal but you know um, sometimes we forget about that because we want to, you know, in today's society, if you're not going, if you're just helping locally, um, you're just kind of staying in your comfort zone. You don't want to go out to other countries and help. Um, and the people that are fortunate enough to go to other countries, you'll, they'll tell you that it's life changing, but going to help people that are within your own country and that, like you said, are a couple of hours away, um, is also a different perspective and, and it's a different kind of life changing, um, just being able to, to show that, you know, we're one one country, we're one people, and we want to help each other in whatever aspect we can. Um, and I think it was really cool for the guys on the team to be able to see uh, a poverty that is in, in, Afri in Africa and then a poverty that is in the United States that, that you know, you don't have to get on a plane and, and fly 24 hours to go somewhere where you can just get in a car, hop in a couple hours, and just go impact lives um, of the people next door. Your family, in both just my general interactions with them and through your work in anywhere you go, the the 147 work, your mission work, you guys are all kind of just always doing it together. Where one goes, it seems like everybody's going, and mm -hmm. it's a very family-oriented effort in terms of what you're trying to do. How How unique is that? Do you feel very fortunate and blessed that everybody in your family kind of has this same perspective? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, like a lot of people say it, talk about that kind of what you've been talking about, um, but it's kind of like natural to me. Like when one of us does something, we kind of all do it. Um, and I, that just stems from my parents. Just, you know, everything that we do, um, we, we try to get as many people as we can involved. Um, and sometimes that's a hassle, you know, with eight people in your family, um, and kids ranging from sixth grade to junior in college and far in between, we always tend to make it work. Um, but when it comes to mission trips, when it comes to Saturday game days, uh, if it goes to vacations, even family dinners, which is big time in our house, just, you know, when we all get a chance to be there together, we all kind of want to enjoy it together because, um, you know, I think coming from my dad growing up, kind of not having a, a father figure and a mother figure in his life. Um, his grandmother kind of was the person that stepped in and his family relationships and their, his broken family relationships and my mom's. Um, I think them basically, they came together and said, you know, we we're going to have a tight knit family and everything we do, we're going to do together. We're not going to leave anybody out. And my mom's like that with anything with my friends. If, if she invites one of my friends, everybody's getting invited even if you don't come like at least everybody she wants everybody invited um she wants nobody to be left out she's a big nobody gets left behind nobody gets left out kind of person and if we can make it work if you can come then we'll make it work and so i think that's really special um and you know she everybody calls her mama O, just because i mean i feel like she's kind of a second mom to a lot of my friends um so it's just been something that i've kind of been instilled in me since i was young that know our family no matter if we look for the same color or not um we're gonna 
stick together and you know nobody's got each other's back like us and we're going to do as much as things that we can together how do you remain humble uh i think it just stems from my parents teaching me like growing up you know one of our three things that it's called the three h's um, in our household it's called hungry holy humble um, hungry to be the best you can be at everything that you do no matter what it is Holy, obviously, your, your faith, you know, keeping God in the front, and then humble, knowing that everything that you do, um, you didn't do it by yourself. You know, other people helped you. People, you know, guided you in the right direction. And obviously, your faith guides you. So um, I think just being instilled as a young kid that, you know, the first time I ever scored a touchdown in flag football, I did a celebration. My dad ran to the field grabbed me by my jersey and said, if you ever do that again, you'll never play football again. He said, we're not going to bring attention to ourselves um, for something that you did, knowing that there's other people around you that helped you. You can never do anything by yourself. So I think just as a kid, knowing that, you know, everything that you do, know that there's somebody that's helping you get there. There's somebody that's, you know, helping you. Um, and guide you to the resources that you need, guide you the direction. So... Uh, again, that's that's my parents, and just seeing how, you know, being humble and being grateful for what you have, and then, you know, like having going on the mission trips. Like I said, it's just, I mean, you see people that are your age that would love to have the opportunities that you have, but don't get the chance to. Um, just keeps you, and it just remains, and keeps me humble, and keeps me grounded. What is your favorite word? Uh, favorite word um oh my god i never thought about this probably that's why i didn't let you see that one ahead of time oh i know i i favorite word um roman excuse me yeah uh, roman <laughs> it's the name of my dog that's oh okay i was like yeah <laughs> that's probably my favorite word right now if i had to think of one what is your least favorite word? Uh, your fiance is probably not going to be thrilled that your dog is <laughs> your favorite word either. Uh, least favorite word is probably I'm just going to go with sleds. No, rolling, rolling. Rolling, rolling, because it like gives me the the connotation when you get in trouble in football and you have to roll, and that's just that's the worst. Sleds is another one that we got to do when you get in trouble. So if you hear the word sleds, it's like oh man. Yeah, but sleds could also be a nice snowy day and yeah, you're going down a hill. Yeah, it's all about connotation. How you think of it? Who or what inspires you? Um, I think my family probably inspires me the most. Um, my mom and my dad and my siblings. Uh, you know, being a big brother to five. And that just kind of inspires me to, to lead and to show them the right path. Even though my young, my oldest, my next youngest brother, next he's probably the closest to me in, in interest. So it's easy for me to lead him. But, you know, my other siblings have a ton of different interests. So, you know, and just trying to be the best big brother to them, trying to be the best son, now best fiance. I mean, just trying to be the best person I could be and um, you know kind of the whole giving back thing um, 
like when I get older, I want to be able to give back to my family and give back to my siblings and and give back to the communities that have helped me. So, I mean, I guess that's what kind of motivates me, just being the best and and in everything that I do, try to be the best because, you know, that's how my parents raised me. That's how, um, you know, some of the opportunities that my dad sacrificed for me to be where I'm at and my mom sacrificed for me to be where I'm at. Um, I just want to be able to one day show them that, you know, all their hard work and sacrifices to get me to where I'm at today, you know, didn't go in vain. That's a really interesting perspective about being the best because you're not trying to be the best football player. Oh, I mean, you're trying to be yeah. the best football player, but that's not at the forefront. It's about being the best person or the best version of yourself. Yeah. That's – I don't think you appreciate how unique and rare that is in 21-year-old student-athletes. Mm-hmm. What was the last book you read for fun? Mm, it was for fun or for school? For fun. Oh, for fun. Oh. Yeah, I don't care about what they make you read for school. I suspect you don't either much. <laughs> uh, but the, the last book I read for fun, um, I think it was the, uh, the Tim Tebow book. Uh, it's called Through My Eyes. That uh, was the last one that I kind of read for fun. It's a really good book. What is your worst habit? Uh, being a people pleaser. Um, meaning? I mean, your bad habits are being too helpful to others. Yeah, I mean, it, it can get me sometimes. Just, you know, even if it's to the point where, like, it could be something that I know is not right. And I don't want to make anybody upset. And so I just kind of don't say anything or I kind of lay back. Um or I don't want to cause conflict. I don't want to cause any kind of drama. So even if I believe something's right or I believe or I, I'm, somebody's doing me wrong or I'm doing something. Usually I'm not, you know, people think I have to you do it. But, like, say you see somebody is doing or giving you the short end of the stick. Um, sometimes, most of the time I'll just take it and just, you know, because I don't want to cause any drama. Or if I see something, you know, on the football field it's a little bit different. If I can see something that is wrong, I'm going to get it corrected just because that's the quarterback in me. But in life – Sometimes that's probably my worst habit is trying to just please people and making sure everybody's happy, making sure everybody's – I don't want to cause any conflict, even if sometimes conflict and resolution is needed. Um, that's probably my worst habit. What app on your phone gets the most use? Uh, probably Snapchat. Um, me and my fiance never never text. We've been – we. I, I mean, I think I know everything I can know about her. Um, so texting really doesn't do us justice anymore. I, I don't – I know what she's doing basically at all times because she goes here now. So me and her communicate through Snapchat. And I, for all the viewers out there that have streaks, Snapchat streaks, I bet you don't have a longer one than me and my fiance. It's about 1,400 days in a row. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's just a lot easier just to snap a quick pic of where you're at and what you're doing than rather saying about it. So it's a lot more efficient to me, a lot more easier than saying what are you doing, How blah, 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 every 20 minutes. We're kind of over that that point so i would say that i feel a thousand (laughs) years old all of a sudden (laughs) what is the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in um probably oh i would say terrifying i mean it might have been pretty recently um we were doing we were on like a river doing some some like canoeing and stuff with me, my family and my intermediate family and uh, 
cousins and stuff and some friends and a football player was there too and there's these re- like you know the like the cur- the rapid currents and when you're if you fall out you got to like swim a certain direction and my dad's boat got caught in one and he got caught underneath it and it was drag pulling him under and my boat got flipped and it got pulled underneath it so I was holding him up and holding on to the branch trying to like and he was like slowly going under and we had like people were like rushing over there but like in those like 30 seconds of like making sure he was not falling under and, and I was not falling under either like getting swooped under into the current um, under this big branch like log thing that's and it was like probably like a month ago a couple months ago that was pretty that was pretty terrifying so it seems like you're burying the lead here and that you kind of saved your dad's life. A little I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say that, but, you know, I'll say I'd it. I'd bring it up at Thanksgiving, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, think he's, I, think, I think he knows. He's pretty thankful. What is your idea of happiness? Uh, like, right when you said happiness, I'm thinking big family, fam- like a big family gathering, like like a Thanksgiving or like a Christmas and just, like, kids playing you know football game on tv uh kitchen smelling fire from some cooked up that's probably like just you know i guess like 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 you said like the family thing that's like big for me and i think that's like when you find that's when i'm like kind of the most relaxed happy is when me and the family is just all around and it's just people that love each other and that care about each other and they're all just relaxing and, and hanging out and having a good time what's your idea of misery a living a life where you do where maybe you're you're financially good and you're doing well in with your income but you hate what you do uh you go you get up every day and you're miserable going to work um you're not your your family life you're just not excited about it you're not being a, a good husband father son dad whatever whatever that is and you're just kind of going through the motions every day and not living out, you know, what you want to do. And you're just being miserable all day at a work that you don't like to do, even though if it's bringing money in. Um, that's kind of my idea of misery. What makes you self-conscious? Mm. All right, can you, like, rephrase the question? Like, what do you mean self-conscious? Like, I, I, like, self-conscious about what? I can see you probably not having a whole lot of crises of self-consciousness self-confidence but just like what is it is there is it getting up in front of people and talking or is it i can i can talk in front of a million people i was was about to say like i can't Uh, i can't give you an example where i think yeah that might be something that would make jeremiah oates fall feel self-conscious i mean i yeah i mean i I don't feel i feel like i'm pretty i wouldn't like i like i would use the word confident i mean there's not there's not really like my personality, I don't think there's anything that I, that would make me feel like I kind of know who I am. I got people that I love around me. Like there's not really much that I can go that would be like, oh, like I feel embarrassed. I mean, if I did, I mean, maybe if I did something like criminal-wise, or if I did something bad that would embarrass my family and the, my, my friends, I feel like I'd probably be self-conscious about that. Cause but I, even that's a hypothetical. Yeah. It's not something that you're gonna do. Yeah. Okay. That yeah, you're not gonna have any of that. What is the most embarrassing song you love? Uh, <laughs> uh, the most embarrassing song. Uh, let's see here. I like I like I like listen to a lot of country music. Um, so I'm trying to think of an embarrassing country song. I mean, my sister, my sister loves um, 
anime stuff and there's a couple anime songs that are pretty they're pretty cool even though they don't really they're all japanese and i can't understand one of them but they they have a pretty cool beat to them so i guess that even though i don't know what the heck is going on in the song uh, i think those are pretty cool but i don't think i don't i don't know if i have an embarrassing song not not i'm not like a big like you know gonna listen to some hannah montana song or whatever and <laughs> so how would you prefer to die Wow. Uh, hopefully. Long time from now? Yeah, long time. I mean, I want to either be. That's that, I haven't thought about that. Uh, yeah, hopefully old time. You know, it's just my time. It's kind of one of the things where I hope, like, whenever I pass, it's like it was his time. Like, he's done everything. Like, he's used his gifts. He's impacted a lot of people, um, and like this is, this is a good time, you know. Maybe maybe I'm in pain from being so old in football, maybe, and they're like, yeah, he he's out of pain now, but I don't know how. I you know I don't know the question how as much as you know when and and how many people did I impact? Maybe is a good one um, because you know hopefully when I'm gone, you know. There's a lot of people that can say, you know, I impacted them, and then they will use that impact and impact somebody else, and it's kind of like a snowball effect. If you were to be reincarnated, what would you like to come back as and why? This is a very broad question. Um, I would like – I got two answers, like the answer that you're looking for, but then the answer that that I thought of. The answer that that you're looking for is something – of like an animal or something like that. I'm I'm I would come back as um a dog. Um uh, because I think, you know, kind of hard to beat a dog's yeah, life. Yeah, I mean, dog man's best friend. I mean, what do you do? You run around all day, you play with your owner, your whatever, you have other dog friends. My mom says if she could come back reincarnated, she would come back as our dogs at home <laughs> because they live the life just on the cat. Like, they're just so lazy and they just um, they're the sweetest. But um, but what I would the, my answer when I when you said that I would like we talked about earlier I would come re- reincarnated as probably six five about two fifteen stud with beach and be play beach volleyball. On the, so, on the west coast so Karch Karai you basically come back as Karch Karai yeah. okay uh, what might prompt you to lie um, if if in the back of my head if I can reason fast that if that the lie if what I say if it doesn't have a long term effect if it's like something small or if the lie if it's something where if they don't figure out nobody's hurt type deal then that might prompt me to lie or i mean back in high school i got in trouble with lying a couple times and that that outcome was uh not very pleasant so it would now like i've learned a lot since then and i've grown a lot since then and so i think the only thing that could prompt me to lie is if 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 they found out that it was that i was lying that there would still be like nobody would be hurt in it like it, it wouldn't have a, a, an effect a big effect on anything what makes you hopeful um i think 
things that make me hopeful are um, obviously the, my mom's organization. Um, stuff like that makes me hopeful that, you know, there's, there's always good out here somewhere. You just got to find it. Um, there's always opportunities to help others. Um, uh, you know, now being engaged, having starting a family one day down the road, long, long time down the road. Um, and I mean, I mean, I mean, the kind of question is what, there, what is there not to be hopeful about, you know, it, with, with the right attitude? Um, uh, you know, I, I'm at a division one school, I'm playing football. I got an incredible family. I got incredible uh, fiance. I got an incredible group of guys that I love to be around. I got a dog at my house in Clarksville that I just love. You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, you can look at each day and, and, and find hope in. Um, so I think just knowing that, you know, doing the right thing and, and helping other people and finding what you love to do. And I kind of think I found what I, what I love to do and what kind of makes me run. I think that is kind of where you can find hope is that, you know, there's people out here that are hopeful and they have way less than you. There's kids in Africa that would love to have your opportunity and you never see them have a frown on their face. They're always smiling. They're always hopeful. I mean, I guess that kind of stuff is what keeps me hopeful and, you know, knowing that, you know, I'm doing what I love. I'm in a great situation, and I got a lot of people around me that I care about. What is our purpose in life? Uh, purpose in life is to use the gift that God's given you, no matter what it is. Um, and I think everybody knows what their gift is. Even if they say, I, I don't know what I want to do, I don't know. I, I think doing, knowing what you want to do and knowing what your gift is is two separate things. And and I think everybody has a gift, and everybody um, and our purpose in life is to use our gift to the fullest so that when we die and we're buried, that we've given everything we got um, to help impact a generation, to impact a, a person, even if it's one person. Um, just being able to impact that person um, is what I believe is everyone's purpose. Is, um, and I think that's what makes you know our communities, our country, our world specials that there's everybody has a unique gift and you know i mean even to the point where it's like i have a unique gift of throwing the ball some people have a unique gift of catching the ball and you put gifts together and you have the game of football you know it's kind of like that that kind of stuff so i think that is the, my definition of purpose is to use your gift um and and don't waste what you love to do and what you're good at doing What's the future hold for you, do you think? Um, I got about three plans. I got A, B, C. My plan A. You're 21 years old, and you've got your life more <laughs> figured out than I do. I, but, you know, like, a, like, and I'll put it this way. I have my guidelines and my footprint of what I would like to do, but I know that there's always going to be things that are going to pop up that will hinder me from doing that or, or something might happen where I will do something else. But this is what kind of my my plan is, is to play football as long as I can. Um, whether that is ends in a couple years, whether that ends in 10 years, um, playing professionally of any sort. Um, I would love to play as long as I can because I believe that's one of my gifts is the ability to play football. Um, and so I would love to play that as long as I can. 
Um, when that is over, I, I think I want to coach and teach somewhere. Um, I want to be a football coach. I want to be offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach somewhere uh, at a local high school, uh, maybe wherever that wherever that leads me. Because um, I I think another one of my gifts is uh, uh, being able to coach young kids, being able to teach young kids, kind of relate to them on levels that, that maybe other guys can't, and just being able to communicate um, with them. Um, that's kind of what I want to do after and along that football line. And then I know one day that football kind of will be done and I'll be out of the football game. I'll have kids of my own, um, watch them play, um, watch them do whatever they want to do. And then my, my plan C would be to help my dad with his health and wellness business. He owns a health and wellness business um, in Middle Tennessee and, and in different locations uh, in the U.S. And um, I see that he loves what he does, and he's really good at it. It's another kind of coaching thing where he can coach people, and he uses his gift really well by coaching people um, to get really healthy. Um, and I think that's probably what I want to do after that is help him with his business and maybe one day take it over. So uh, that's kind of what I would like my future to look like. But hey, if it doesn't, then we'll, we'll make we'll find a way to make it work. And you know, I know that everything always works out. You know, if you believe and, and if you and trust in God's plan and everything. So yeah, I have a feeling that no matter what it is, once you set your mind to it, you're probably gonna achieve it or get pretty dang close. Uh, Jeremiah, man, thanks for coming in today. I really appreciate Thanks to Jeremiah for coming in and spending time that, quite honestly, he probably didn't have talking to me about things he, quite honestly, probably would have rather not talked to me about. On the gridiron this weekend, second straight on the road for the Govs as they journey to Casey's ancestral home of Johnson City to take on ETSU. The Govs are the first OVC school to venture to Johnson City since the Bucks brought back football in 2015. Casey's boy Randy Sanders took the Bucks to the postseason last season but have seen ETSU off to a 1-2 and two start after a late one last week against VMI. A win would move the Govs to 3-1 and one on the season for the first time since 2007 and Kentel Williams needs less than 100 yards to pass Ryan White for fourth all-time in all-purpose yardage if you need a few storylines to follow for the upcoming weekend. On the pitch this week, the Govs start OVC play when they host SIUE th <laughs> Thursday. Pitch. Wow. <laughs> That was kickoff OEC play Thursday when they host SIUE. Coach Colorado's squad is looking to build off the momentum from a solid weekend last week and carry it into OVC play. Saturday night, the Govs do take a break from OVC play, and they head to the Queen City to take on the Bearcats of Cincinnati. It's the first time we have ever matched up with them. Yeah, sorry for a guy who was like, now, uh, soccer's the one where you can't pick it up when he first started to all of a sudden being dropping pitch in casual conversation. is That's just a little... I'm a, soccer, I'm a soccer guy now. I, I, I'm sure you are. 
on the hardwood, the volleyball team. I was like, what were we even talking about? Volleyball. Yeah, volleyball. Act, active ankles. At the the ball, the <laughs> active ankle challenge. The in, Ball State Active Ankle Challenge. That Ball State Active Ankle Challenge in Muncie, Indiana. I think they should have workshopped the name. I'm sure Active Ankle is a sponsor. It just they could have thought Active Ankle like ankles aren't yeah, really. They're supposed to be pretty stationary, and I feel like supposed you should, to be. I don't want my ankles active. But anyway, while there, the governors will face Ball State, Missouri State, and Wright State in their fourth and final in-season tournament. Hey, um. Through line there is no Power 5 programs this week. That's nice for the Woo-hoo. governors. And they will close out the extended non-conference portion with Western Kentucky next week before finally kicking off Ohio Valley Conference play. But they still don't play at home. Uh, no, I mean, why would they? <laughs> Cross Country, they are going to host their annual APSU Cross Country Festival this weekend. Thomas Porter and Immaculate Kiplinget have to be considered among the favorites going into the weekend. That will be out at Eastland Green South Nine Golf Course. Atta boy. Men's golf rounds out the weekend at the Derek Dolink Invitational. Haven't competed there since 2015. First look for everyone, including the upperclassmen of Robbie Wilson's squad. Always nice to get a get a return trip to some place you've enjoyed some success in the past. For all community service stuff, Haley Jacoby has all the information for all the opportunities you can use to serve the city of Clarksville. It looks like there are some opportunities at First Christian Church and with Buddy Ball over the next couple weeks. Go see Haley if you're interested. Get in touch and stay in touch with us via web and social media. Casey, where do people find us on social media? Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Go P. And if you want to follow along on Facebook, our official account is Austin P. Governors. Austin P. Governors. Boy, my voice cracked. Like, you wouldn't believe when I tried to get that out on Sunday. It was so hot, and I needed something to drink so badly. And it goes, you're Austin P. But also, Sorry, sh- you were saying something. Shout out to our friend Taylor. And soon, at long last, we will have a new man in the digital media chair starting September 23rd. And we'll be announcing that very soon. Woo-hoo. All the exclamation points. Let's go P.com for dates, news, and stories. Casey, Cody Bush, and the sports information guru to be named later, pushing out all the updates, news, stories, stats, uh, silly podcasts, all kinds of stuff for people. You want to come to any Austin P. sporting events, you're going to need tickets. And our ticket gurus, Katie Locke and her assistant, Johnny Greenwood, have all the information you can use to get in the game. This includes our VIP end zone experience and single-game box life suite offerings, which you can contact the ticket office for more information. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or directly on the website at letsgop.com slash podcast. Somebody asked me last week about Spotify, and I tried to get us onto Spotify, and Spotify never answered my email. So, boost Spotify. Yeah, I guess boost Spotify. Give us a rating and review on the podcast, Five Stars, Five Stars. We are still trying to catch Murray State. We need your help. We want to beat the the racers we want to have the better reviews the more positive reviews we just want to overall be better because we are better so help us out with that and if you'd like to suggest a guest let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out live vicariously through our whimsical internet musings tweet at us i'm at c wilson 225 he's at c underscore craig 19 love yourself love each other talk to you next week goodbye